Good morning and welcome to Grief Talk Cafe. I'm Darlene Rempel and as you can see my partner uh, Jen Tom is, is missing. Um, she's not able to join us today and she would say a great enthusiastic good morning um, but so I'll try to be as enthusiastic <laughs> as she is but welcome to Grief Talk Cafe. We have a great um, we have a great morning for you. We are excited about our special gift guest, um, Kit Livingston, and she's going to join us in a moment. Um, we today our topic is going to be anticipatory or preparation grief. Um, so we're going to talk about what it's like if you have somebody um, that is in palliative care or you know it's passing away. Um, or is that the end of life? Then we're going to talk just a little bit about things we can do. Um, and just Kit's going to share her story and just her wonderful knowledge. Um, again, Kit is uh, is um, uh, has been a care aide uh, for 20 years. After 20 years, she went back and got her Bachelor of Science in Nursing. And she is drawn to supporting clients um, going through life transitions transitioning and focuses both on palliative care and maternity care in her professional practice. So she sees both ends um, of the life of, of life. And so she we are so happy to welcome. So we're going to just bring her on right away for us to join. Welcome, Kit. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so excited for you to be here um, and and listen to your stories and your knowledge. Uh, Kit's already been sharing some of, of it with me, so she has some great things. Um, she's going to take Jen's place and have her three R's um, and she's going to share with you. So <laughs> I, I know Jen likes um, having easy things to remember, so I've worked on some of that for her. And, you know, being here really is a full circle um, kind of experience for me because Jen helped me process my grief after my dad passed and it's really uh, such an honor to be able to come on here and share part of my journey with some of maybe your viewers who are still in the throes of dealing with with the grief that comes with a loss of a loved one so I really appreciate having this time it just sort of makes more sense of the things that I've been through myself yeah Thank you so much for sharing that because we all have experiences and um, and and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um, just just again, my mom passed away um, last year, so I, the the process is pretty fresh for me too of just how how we walk through that with yeah. our loved ones. Yes, yeah. it, it is. You know, it really does change. Um, almost every aspect of your life I'm finding the impact you know wherever you had a relationship with the person that you've lost that part of your life is going to change so um yeah it's it is a process and there's no there's no limits on the time that it needs to take I don't think I'm sure you're finding that we're yeah. supposed to box it all up and nicely tick off the you know progress through this and that but healing is messy and it's linear and grieving um doesn't happen according to a schedule yeah yeah and sometimes that ticking off of boxes is, is is like trying to control it right i think um trying to control the process when it's something we just have to work through and what happened is that in your experience? yes yeah absolutely and and 
you know, every loss is so individual. You know, your relationship with your mom, I don't know if you have siblings, but mm -hmm. your relationship with her would be different than the relationship that your siblings had. Um, and it's a unique loss. And I think every loss is unique. So you can't, uh, one prescription, one, you know, set of guidelines doesn't fit everybody. You know, there's, yeah. there's, I think there's signposts along the way, like you can mm -hmm. recognize, oh, I'm in, I'm in denial or, oh, I'm in anger. Or, oh, mm -hmm. you know, some of the stages that have been identified as mm -hmm. part of grief. Mm -hmm. but how they show up and how they um the triggers that we have that send us back into grief and they're unique for all of us yes and do you find that i i heard this description once and i really appreciated it, it it's grieving is like waves in the ocean you've mm -hmm. probably talked about that you know at the beginning you're just totally at the mercy of the tides you're tumbling mm -hmm. you're upside down you're drowning nothing yeah. seems uh, you're totally disoriented mm -hmm. and then slowly that tide recedes and then mm -hmm. the wave comes back again and you're upside down and tumbling and drowning and mm -hmm. you know um, but just the pause in the waves gets a bit longer mm -hmm. as time goes on um, mm -hmm. and how to ride out that time when you're mm -hmm. so disoriented and feel mm -hmm. like you're drowning um, mm -hmm. you reach out to people that are going to lend you a hand to help lift your head up out of the waves mm -hmm. yeah yeah and the, the one thing that is a common experience is that is being in that wave right that yeah. that numbness that um not sleeping that just total emotional roller coaster of emotions that we get on um and and that's normal and natural but you're right it does come in waves we kind of have those <laughs> yeah you just think you're going along good and then all of a sudden another wave hits and it even happens during the process. Of, oh, absolutely. Of, uh, yeah. 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 And and what what people I just wanted to point this out because it came into my mind. People like when you're not in the middle of that wave, when you're kind of in the trough where everything seems some somewhat normal, when we remember what the waves have been like, we often feel guilty when we're in the middle of having a normal moment. You know, mm -hmm. like you're just buying groceries and the sun is out and you're actually mm -hmm. happy for a minute. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you're like, oh, I shouldn't be happy. All this stuff is going on. And mm -hmm. I guess if I could, if I could offer that it's, that's perfectly normal to feel guilty that you're feeling okay, mm -hmm. but don't worry, you're going to feel crappy again. Yeah. So yeah. just, just enjoy those moments and mm -hmm. um, nobody's judging you. You just got to listen to your own, those, those moments of happiness of normalcy are mm -hmm. like little gifts to help yeah. remind you of what your life mm -hmm. used to be like. Mm -hmm. So yeah and working through that process i love that i just was just reading a book about how we need to process emotions as they come so as grief comes as sadness comes when we can process and just engage and acknowledge that fully then when when a happy moment comes maybe it's a happy memory maybe you're you know yes. there's just that normal and we need to process that one too right and and Isn't when that we can, funny when we can process one then we're free to go on to the next one and it's going to yes. be back and forth, but that's yes. how we process grief. <laughs> yeah. And to yeah. be open to all of those yes. times. I mean, I hear, I actually hear that a lot that people are like, oh, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be okay yet, mm -hmm. or I should be okay, be okay. now. Yeah. And so 
those judgments don't really serve anything because our emotions don't care. They're just mm -hmm. real and they're processing and they're mm -hmm. arising just like clouds in the sky mm -hmm. or waves in the ocean. And all you yeah. can do is is ride them with good grace until the next one comes. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're and I know you're going to share about support and how we we help people get through that. So, let's maybe just start. Do you want to start sharing just a little bit about your experience with your your dad? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yes, it's um so I, I grew up here in Duchess. I left and moved to BC and raised my children there. And in 2014, I came back to Duchess. And a huge piece of why I came back was to support my dad and his wife who were still living on the ranch that I grew up on. And um, he was 80, I don't know, two or 83 at the time and had had a stroke and needed, you know, a fair bit of support. Maybe he was 84. I don't know. Um, and he, he managed well, like between he and his wife, they had a pretty good system set up and he was actually really remarkable in how he maintained his lifestyle and living on the ranch. He got to where he could do less and less, but, um, and so my involvement kind of got more and more as time went on. Uh, in last summer, he and his wife had to leave the ranch they um, due to health con concerns. And so he moved into the lodge and that was like a big process for him, just leaving the ranch where he had, you know, the ranch he had built and built the house with his hands and built all the corrals. And um, he, had, he really wanted to stay there, but to support his wife, he moved into Brooks and um, then he got sick himself. And in November, he went to the hospital right at the end of November. And the doctors kept telling me that, you know, oh, this is treatable. We can deal with this. And I, this is where the anticipatory grief starts. I just had a feeling that this was going to be, um, maybe not turn out the way that we wanted it to. And so he had several issues happening all at once. He went into the hospital for a sore knee and it turned out he had fluid in his lungs and he had terribly low um, red blood count and he had a bleed somewhere and it was, um, there were there were other issues as well. And so he ended up in hospital for almost the next three months, like it was two and a half months. Wow. And through that time, like I started doing things that didn't even make sense to me. Like I started sharing pictures of um, his life on my Facebook page and writing little stories about him. And looking back, I think it was, I, I was paying tribute to this man who had meant so much to me and to a lot of other people as well. And I, I, I would read to him the comments, you know, that people had made. I, I asked, oh my God, this is gonna make me cry. But I asked people to write to him um, on my Facebook page and people he didn't even know sent Christmas cards and letters and different things to him and I would read them to him and he was so happy to hear from these people. Um, because, you know, once somebody passes, they don't hear any of it anymore. And, and it just brought him so much joy. <laughs> And again, nobody was saying, oh, he's palliative and, you know, you better wrap things up here. But um, I just, he, he had just changed so much so fast. And that's one of the um, kind of hallmarks in palliative care, like the, 
the more rapid the changes, the less time you have, right? Especially as it gets towards mm -hmm. the end. If you're noticing changes over months, you've probably mm -hmm. got months. If you're noticing changes over weeks, you've probably got weeks. Um, and of course, close to the end, you notice changes over days or in hours as they approach um, that they're passing. So he just declined so rapidly in his capacity, his mobility, even his memory, that I think some part of me was like alerted to start to get ready. And I'm so glad that I did because um, the end of January, he was to be discharged from the facility he was in. They said he either had to go into long-term care or I could take him home. So that was my choice. I took him home and um, I hired a caregiver and <clears throat> I didn't know at the time, but we only had five weeks with him. So I was still going to work. The caregiver came in every day. He did get a little bit stronger. He was able to walk with a walker and he was so happy to be home. He was so happy. And I was really hoping that, that he would, you know, gain a lot of strength from being home and be able to, um, you know, have another year or two with us, have a good spring. But he said to me a couple of times, he had a minor um, surgical uh, procedure scheduled. Mm -hmm. And he told me, I'm not going to make it to that. And I said, ah, what are you talking about? Of course you're going to make it. And he said, no, I'm, I'm not going to make it to that. And sure enough, he actually ended up dying the morning that that was supposed to happen um, at home. He was able to stay at home. Um, so I think because I already was kind of emotionally aware of his decline, we were able to do the things that I think were really meaningful for him and the things that created what we could call a good death. Um, so should I, should I share yeah. some of that? Yeah, thank you for, first, thank you for sharing your story. And um, just for your, um, yeah, just your emotions and sharing your story about your dad. Um, yeah, it's always good to hear um, and to be listened to, right? So thank you for sharing and helping others. So oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead and share. I love your... Well, well, because I know Jen likes things organized, I, I did try to... Um, I tried to put things into something that would be easy to remember and through that process of anticipatory grief which is when you've kind of got a heads up whether it's coming from the doctors with the diagnosis um, whether it's just a gut feeling that you have or whether like some people go through made so it's a it's a, a process whereby they plan their their end because they're terminal in some way um, I, I think once you get a diagnosis, even like a dementia, you know, like, you know that eventually things are going to change. And we start this anticipatory grief when we start to notice the changes and the loss, even if we don't acknowledge it. I think in some ways our, our actions start to show up as we prepare for this eventual loss. Um, and so my three R's are reviewing the relationship. So you start going through, it's kind of a, you're looking back, you're looking over, you know, the interactions you had. Did I do things the way I wanted? Um, you know, what are things that I could do to improve? 
So first of all, you review and then you repair. If there's any fractures, if there's any places where we need to bring forgiveness or grace, now we ha still have the opportunity with this person to work on that. So that's something that we do in the present is um, make amends if needed, facilitate bringing in other family members as needed or people that are meaningful to the to the loved one so how should we talk about the person who's dying you know as a nurse i would say my client or my patient um i i i, I don't know how to use this word i don't want to just say loved one but um what do you suggest darlene oh i don't know we usually say loved one but it's not always a loved one <laughs> right um, right but uh, yeah the person oh there's still yeah. that person like i just I, use my, I know my, my I, mom or my dad i just use their name right because there's so, still the <laughs> let's let, let i'll i think i'll say loved one because so the loved one is at the center because yeah. we, we grieve in many ways in relationship to our love so our, the deeper our love the deeper our grief right yeah. so let's talk about the person who's passing as our loved one is that okay yeah Okay. We'll go with so, that for Okay, we'll go for that for now. I won't say client. Um, so we we want to repair or amend or make it just as good as possible with our loved one. And then the third one is sort of looking forward and we are readying for the eventual um, separation that happens with death. So we're reviewing, we're repairing if need be, and we're readying. Um, so past, present, and future in some ways. So the, that readying piece is really such a gift. I mean, all of it is a gift to have the time to do that. You know, I'm sure you've had sessions where um, people have to deal with the sudden passing of someone, but that's, that's you know, that's like an ad, a, time, a bomb going off, really. Mm -hmm. whereas, yeah. whereas this is more like a slow crumble or slow mm -hmm. demolition and you have time to see the changes and mm -hmm. time to anticipate it time yeah. to come to terms with it in some fashion you know mm -hmm. and i think that's such a gift um so the way that we move through those three r's really depends on our relationship with the with the loved one so if if somebody lives out of town they're going to have a different experience with the with the loss than if they live in the house with the person or if they visit the loved one regularly and i think it's really important to identify the roles that each of us play in relation to our loved one um, and of course the closer you are to the loved one the closer you are to the middle of the inner circle of mm -hmm. the experience of the passing um, I think the more you need to rely on people outside of it. Mm -hmm. So the, the spouse shouldn't be the person that everybody is looking to. Mm -hmm. The spouse should be able to rely on the adult children mm -hmm. or, the, or the neighbors to come and help. Um, it often doesn't work that way, but if, if you think of it in terms of an onion, you know, with the rings and, mm -hmm. and the loved one is at the very center, mm -hmm. My sister actually helped me understand this, that you lean out for support. Um, I was the closest to my dad um, at, it, at the time of his passing. Um, we, his, his wife was not able to be with us. And so we 
I did a lot of trying to set up support for her as she was um, living in a facility, but people supported me so I could support my dad. People supported my family so that they could support me so that I could support my dad. Yeah. Um, and our community members were amazing, just absolutely amazing. And anything we asked for, anything my dad needed, it was like, wow. Yeah. 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 That's just so amazing. And, and I love that. I think what, what we tend to do is, is almost the opposite. We tend to go inward, right? We lean yeah. in. And, and so I love that model that if we can find that support, we can actually be able to, to process and we're not trying to, we're not trying to help everybody else around us. We're actually being able to give that freedom to be able to, to do those, the review, do the readiness, do the, the preparation. I yeah. think that's so great. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, ultimately the biggest person impacted by this death is the loved one. They, 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 this is their experience and all the rest of us are peripheral to it. Yeah. Right. And so, but it's impacting all of us at the same time. It's, it's a huge impact. Us. Us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so we, um, somebody asked me once if I believe in life after death and I mm -hmm. said, well, when you look at somebody in a room that's palliating with all of their people around mm -hmm. them, every single person besides one is going to walk out of that room so yes there is and their lives are going to go on yeah right and so yeah. regardless of what's going to happen with our with our um our loved one here mm -hmm. which is you know everybody has their own sorry about that loved you're ones calling. no unfortunately not <laughs> so sorry turn off my phone yeah um, that's okay i turned my off but yes yeah, so as a healthcare professional, I always, I, tr I try to um, approach death in those terms. Like I'll do what I can to keep our lo your loved one comfortable. Uh, you're only going to get one chance to do this, but I am going to support the family or the people that um, the client or my patient identified as family as best mm -hmm. I can so that they don't have residue that they're carrying because not everybody gets a good death. No. But we do our best to, as healthcare professionals, to make that happen. And yeah, I, and I, it it makes a big difference. I'm just going to cut it here because yeah, you, your healthcare professional, does make a big difference. Um, and I know when my mom passed away, our and and again we lived in a small community, so everybody knew everybody. But the one of the the nurses was our neighbor, like my mom's good friend right and it was so so comforting to have her come in and be with us and be that um that person who could walk us through who we could trust and knew what was going on um and so um, yeah like who our support is who's supporting us is so important and that you know for me it's just always been such a privilege it's it's such a private and I mean, I would say holy time, birth and death, you know, the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. And to be to be present when you're not part of that inner circle, you know, when you're not, you don't have a prior relationship or maybe you do, but it's quite peripheral, you know, just yeah. as a community member. To be able to be part of that is mm -hmm. um, just such a privilege and such an honor. And 
you know, I, I really understood it from the other side when our family went through that. Yes. You know, we had a home care nurse. Um, mm -hmm. His doctor had very recently retired. He had a new doctor, but the retired doctor was his friend. And he came to the house yeah. and just like helped me understand and made sure that I was on the right track with what I was seeing. Um, the home care nurse came, we got palliative orders, <laughs> everything was in place. You know, dad was very clear about how he didn't want to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, everybody was on board with that. And it was just basically, what do you need? What do you mm -hmm. need? How can we help you through this? And mm -hmm. I mean, it just humbles me to mm -hmm. think about the support that we had. And if any one of those pieces had been missing, it, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been the same. Like, you know, the pharmacy giving us the meds that we needed, mm -hmm. the, the home care nurses on call mm -hmm. that, that came out, um, mm -hmm. his caregiver, Krista, mm -hmm. his caregiver was like my right hand gal. We mm -hmm. couldn't have done it without her. So yeah. I, I I think it takes a community to raise a child mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. takes a community to bury a loved one. Mm -hmm. um, because it's just too much for one person to carry. You know, you can't do it 24 mm seven. -hmm. And sometimes we need, we need supports mm -hmm. and and sometimes the people a little bit further outside of the circle recognize that we need support, you know, like we're just so focused on the loved yeah. one that we don't know that we haven't eaten since, you know, six o'clock and now it's eight 30 in the evening, you know? So, yeah. um, don't be, I guess, don't be afraid to show up. Don't be afraid to contribute. And, and, um, yeah, a lot of times it's hard to have those conversations with people. Like, how are you doing? How are you doing with your mom over there? Mm -hmm. And um, we just yeah. want to hit you, right? Like, mm -hmm. how do you have those conversations? If you're a community member and you mm -hmm. know somebody's palliating, mm -hmm. you don't want to intrude. And so mm -hmm. generally in this culture, we err on the side of silence mm -hmm. and we don't say anything and we because we don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. How How do you encourage people to reach out to family members that are going through that. That's what I was just going to ask you too. Or maybe we can, <clears throat> we can brainstorm, but like when we do have these wonderful experiences and when the community, when we see it work well, it's great. Like it's, it's amazing. But what if it's not working well, how do we advocate? How, like, what would be your suggestion? How would you, what's the most important thing that we can share with others when they're going through this experience? I, I wish I had a pat answer with three letters that could answer that. But I, it's, it, it really does depend on who is the person that's needing support and their relationship to the loved one. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's it, because it's going to look different. It's going to, it's going to look different. If you live in Vancouver and your mother is dying in Winnipeg, the support that like it could impact you in Vancouver very much, but you're so removed. How do your neighbors and your friends in Vancouver support you? Um, I think if you, I think it really is great if the community is aware of what is going on. And so we need to do the work. This is where the anticipatory grief comes in. We need to talk to people. We need to, as as close to, as members of the inner circle that are close to the loved ones, we need to start reaching out early and let people know, I think. Um, because, so a really amazing thing happened. Um, 
on my dad's last day of, of consciousness, he was at home and over the course of the afternoon, four of his friends just happened to stop by. Okay. Community members. And I, I spoke to each one of them at the door and I uh -huh. said, like, I'm pretty sure he's on uh -huh. his way out. Are you sure you want to come in? Oh, okay. Yeah. And they all did. Every one of them. And we had this this hoedown with my dad and these men who were so important to him in his life sat and they had a little toast to him and they told stories and my dad was conscious but he was barely able to participate but you he was just beaming he was so happy to be able to to have that time with his friends um my brother my brother um called and all of his kids were able to speak with him over the course of the afternoon my dad couldn't say much but he could listen um and everybody knew what was going on and they had access to him which was um a really this is i think one of the hardest things about what we've been through in the last couple of years is not having access to yes. our loved ones as they're passing um he was really lucky that he was able to have that and to be able to be in contact with the with the people that mm -hmm. were meaningful to him. Mm -hmm. So, but people show up, like, don't be afraid to show up. And, mm -hmm. and our responsibility as being close to the person who's passing mm -hmm. is to have open communication mm -hmm. and, to, and to say those hard things. Mm -hmm. Say, I'm afraid. Say, mm -hmm. you know, my mom was just diagnosed with whatever. Because mm -hmm. For a lot of us, the minute that we hear that diagnosis, that's when mm -hmm. that anticipatory grief starts. Yeah. yeah. And it's so hard to deal with it because there's so many unknowns. You don't mm -hmm. you don't know the path until you're looking mm -hmm. back on it, right? Yeah. 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 So are you gonna have two months? You're gonna have five years. Mm -hmm. And in yeah. some ways we grieve all the way through that time. Mm -hmm. We do. Right? Me too. And then and then the same way we also grieve afterwards still. We still can't oh, prepare. Yes as much as we try to prepare so um, you've given us great information so just about reviewing the relationship repairing and amend and and, and getting ready um, those are awesome things um, and also then just to be able to share like share with people be able to make share those connections um, because again what happens in grief we we tend to pull back right when we need to be sharing with those those people yes and and figure out what our role is yeah. in relation where do we fit yeah, in that is. onion where do we yeah. fit in the onion and i love the mm -hmm. onion because it's going to make tears right mm -hmm. it's a tear <laughs> yes it's an emotional the closer you are to the middle of it you yeah. know the stronger and the bigger your tears are going to be but yeah. you reach you lean out for support you don't lean yeah. in you, that is anyway. so good yeah. yeah and having access right i think oh that it's been yes. huge in the last bit and just i know with my mom we weren't always allowed to be with her and it was so oh, so hard that and I, it's another I, layer I of that grief. i yeah. can't imagine it's so it's i mean i'm not gonna say cruel but mm -hmm. it's 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 cruel it is cruel because yeah. they need they need you and you need to be need with that. her like that pull that need to to share this the end journey is so fundamental. It's so elemental to who we are. Yeah. And to be denied that, oh, I think mm -hmm. it's, yeah. So what's helped you um, through that time? Was your family able to be with her? Were you able to be with her, Darlene? 
Yeah, I think what helped was at the end we got there. There were two points where we got to be with her, and those were amazing points. So before she was again, my mom was different than yours is that she was already in in care. Um, so she went from we went from moving her to all different kinds of facilities, and and um, so for and for a while we had access, and then we were it was shut off. We had very little access until she till about a week before she died. Um, but then we were able to be with her, and um, so that made a different kind of grief process, right? Because we didn't know what was happening. Um, when you can only visit once a week for an hour, you do not know what's happening when your when your loved one is declining, like you said, yes. taking days. Um, yeah. So there were some really good moments, and there were some really sad moments. Um, and everybody, again, like siblings, we all grieve different. Um, mm -hmm. So some of us were there when she passed away, and some of us weren't. And but we know we all grieve different. But I think what helped was to have again that I just like that we were back in a community we were back she was back in her own community we had people stopping in and say, seeing us and we had people yeah. who were bringing us yeah. meals and making sure we ate yes. and i think yes. that was amazing that that is yeah they're holding you and you're holding your mom that's yeah. that's how and we were it should be we were just being able to be there with our mom and we didn't have to worry right i, yeah. I remember like they would bring us food right in, in the in the nursing home because we weren't thinking about food at that yes. time so, yeah. yeah yeah and such a such a gift to have that and that you know yes. the farther you are out in the circle mm -hmm. um then you just have these physical things that you can do yeah you could i can make sure their driveway is shoveled or yeah. i can make sure there's a meal that's been delivered or yeah. Um, I can make sure they have a house. Somebody gave us yeah. a house. We had to move, oh, right? Because all our family oh, came from out of town, right? So there was there was many. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was nice. Um, it was amazing. But not everybody has that community. So just as we end, <laughs> I want to give a little bit of hope, and maybe you can speak to us. So what happens when you don't have the good experience? Can we still grieve? Can we? How do we process when we don't have that good experience? And I have been um, involved with a, a few deaths that I would, um, that, you know, I, I knew from that get-go were not mm -hmm. going to be good experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and they weren't. They turned into, like, r really, really challenging for the, the family members that were close to the loved one. Um, and I guess it, dep it depends on, again, on your role. If, if someone's listening to this and they have unresolved, um, you know, anger or issues with what happened, those are valid things and they need to be, they need to be listened to. They're going to turn it there. They, you may have had trauma through the passing. Um, that, that does happen sometimes. Uh, you just, you just need to respect. This is my fourth R. Respect whatever it is you're going through. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you need help, don't be afraid to reach out. You know, if it's something that is, if you, when you think about it and you get that roiling in your guts or you get mm -hmm. like a headache or tension or something in your body, mm -hmm. just pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. don't, don't be afraid to mm -hmm. talk to somebody about it. I mean, I, th that's, mm -hmm. that's what my whole um, thing is all about is like, let's, let's work through it together because sometimes mm -hmm. we do get stuck. And sometimes horrible things happen, absolutely horrible things. It can beat you up. And I, I'm not here to say, oh, you need to forgive to, to move on. I would say you 
your feelings need to be acknowledged. Um, yeah. you, you need to be witnessed in the struggle that you're having. And um, there, it, it's just like everything else that we process through, it does get better, but usually not without some deliberate effort. Yeah. Is that fair enough to say? That is great. Thank you for sharing. And that's actually why we do what we do here with, with our grief recovery methods yes. is because that's what we do. We help people. We listen to them. We give, we acknowledge their feelings. It's a safe place where they can express any feeling. It's out usually outside their circle. It's so they can, yes. so they can um, lean on us. Yes. Um, oh, that's so beautiful. You're making this big circle that's just holding uh -huh. people. Yeah. Um, as they yeah. work through it. Yeah, yeah. that's so and, important. And then giving them the tools, right? How do you, again, you said you still have to work through it, right? There's still things that you need to do. And so that's why we're so excited about our work that we do and the people who have come through our group because they have worked through stuff. It doesn't matter if their loss was the death of a loved one or any of the other 40 different kinds of death or if it happened when they were a child or it's just yes. happened right we all need to work through that and darlene i i don't know if jen told you but um she did give me uh, a, a grief workshop book mm -hmm. i i was very very fortunate to become close friends with mm -hmm. jen since my dad has passed not everybody mm -hmm. knows but your mm -hmm. Um, Tom's funeral home actually looked after my dad mm -hmm. when he passed, mm -hmm. like within a few hours, they came to the house, mm -hmm. they took him home. And I, Jen and her staff, Jen mm -hmm. carried me and my sister mm -hmm. and yeah. the staff carried mm -hmm. Jen so she could do that. Like, yeah. it's just so, uh, all the behind the scenes things that you mm -hmm. guys did. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd become friends with Jen and um, in the summertime, I was just telling her like, I think I'm depressed. Like, mm -hmm. I think I'm grieving. And she recognized that and she gave, mm -hmm. she heard me and she gave me a book and we mm -hmm. talked and yeah, I've been able to, you know, process through it, but mm -hmm. it's, it's so heavy. Mm -hmm. I experience grief as a heaviness mm -hmm. and it just sort of oppresses you down. And yeah. sometimes you don't even know that that's mm -hmm. what you're going through, but the people yeah. around you can see it. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. then they can reach out to a, you're such a great resource in this community really because yeah people uh, people don't know what to do with it it's like yep. it's the big taboo right like we don't talk there's a couple of things we don't talk about, talk about. i won't mention the other one but, uh, <laughs> grief is one of them one of them um, what a great yeah. service you're providing yeah. because we don't want to be stuck in it we want to no. mourn our person mm -hmm. we want to honor them we want to mm -hmm. live fully as we move through the the, the rest of our life yeah. that we've been gifted with mm -hmm. but yeah yeah well thank you so much for sharing kit your story your knowledge just your insight um thank you for being an encouragement your encouragement to me and i'm sure your encouragement to many people who uh, listen you're, to you you're welcome darlene i really so appreciate happy. the invitation you know yeah. like this is my understanding of how you make how you come full circle from mm -hmm. difficulties is to reach back to the people that are on the path that are maybe not quite as far down the path as you yeah. because somebody reached back to me and held mm -hmm. my hand and pulled me along and so now maybe i can share a little bit and and if if, if that helps make sense of what i've been through then that's awesome 
That's so great. Okay, well, we're gonna have to say adieu, but thank you so much. Um, I'm just gonna, yeah, just finish off here. So thank you so much, Kit, for sharing, and we'll hopefully have you back another time. My pleasure, thank you. Have a great day. Stay thank warm. You. Yeah. So thank you for being with us and sharing with us. Just to let you know, we do have some recovery resources. You can you can check us out at stronger-lifeconnections.com. We also are going to be running groups starting in January. So if you'd like more information, please connect with us um, and, and listen to us. We'll be back next week um, with Life Talk Cafe. So have a good day. Thank you all.